0: I am unashamed. What about you?
1: So Jace, you're due to fly off to your favorite place. <laughs>
2: <laughs> New York. New York City. <laughs> yep, we're promoting the show. Promote Season
1: the show. two is out and uh, abduct of Duck Family Treasure, so I have been seeing the promos, which were funny. And I guess you had described it before. I guess you changed it up because I'm assuming it was the one where you were supposed to, like, have a pratfall, but you didn't. There's a scene where you and Jeff are sitting next to, like, a little campfire. Mm -hmm. And then Murray's back there detecting behind you guys. And then y'all jump up and run because it's... You know, he's found something. Well, the idea was it's not about what we find. It's just the brotherhood of treasure hunting. It was really good because Jeff was like, I treasure you, brother. (laughs) You know how sappy Jeff is. (laughs) It's so Jeff. Uh, Like, it's not even a joke. Like, that's funny. It was funny. I laughed out loud when I watched it, but I thought, that's so Jeff. Jeff came up to me at his daughter's wedding, and he just hugs me and says, you know, you've been there for me all these years. And I was like, Jeff, you're just emotional. It's a wedding. It's okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so, well, I mean, really all I'm going to talk about is, because it's such a whirlwind, we're doing a lot of episodes now, and uh, we're already working on more episodes, but, you know, I had this original vision, because it was a hobby, and the podcast listeners are the ones that really launched this. You did it, Unashamed Nation. Yeah, because I was, I was really kidding, which just shows you, the more you run <laughs> your mouth, the more you get in trouble. That's right. You kidded yourself right into a lot of work. Well, if y'all really want me to do a treasure <laughs> hunting show, you know, get a hold to Zach and let him know. Well, quite a few, tens of thousands of you reached out, and now you think, well, all right, we'll do a season, and that'll be that. But now we're season two's out there and working so on season three, which I think they've actually improved. They're, uh I like. this There's show. more family oriented things in, in this one i think they're a little more humorous but uh i got i gotta be honest you know i i thought when they introduced the concept they're like well treasure hunting shows don't rate well there's one show out there somewhere that i haven't watched but they said they've had like eight seasons and they're still digging in the same area but um and i was like well they've never found anything and they're like no so I don't know what's going on with that, but but to my point, I said, I don't think we should make it about what we find. Because, you know, I, when I studied all the verses in the Bible about treasure, and there's a lot of them. Oh, yeah. So there's got to be something to it, because here's the Almighty making references to the reason he is eating with tax collectors and sinners. Is, it's like a woman who loses you know, her coin, coin and sweeps her house all night and she finds it and then throws a party and invites all the neighbors and everybody lives happily ever after. I'm like, why is he using that as an example? Or it's like the guy, the kingdom is like a man who finds treasure in a field and he puts it back and then buys the field. I mean, I just sat there and thought, whoa, that's
1: deep. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it totally goes into what somebody is in somebody's field is theirs. Unless well, they give you the permission to look there if you don't own the field, right? Well, that, and I've come to understand that once you find
2: something really good in the field, oh, there's a lot of other stuff. <laughs> this stuff's hard to find. You can spend the rest of your life right. hunting in that field. Let's live here. Got Especially it. if it's Jesus is what you find, you, you want to live there. right? This is where you want to hang out. So, I mean, use that principle. What I was going to say is I think the reason it's working is because I said, we're not going to make it about what we find. We're going to do research, have all these locations. We'll let Cy si pick the ones that come in, which will be funny. You know, because how do you really know if it's legit? I mean, so just let Cy si pick them randomly. That'll be his contribution. Of course, in Cy's mind, he's running this whole thing. <laughs> he's figured out that he's like he wants to make a treasure hunting business. <laughs> Well, the problem is all the people who are finding the treasure, none of us want to do that for a business. We just like the the finding the thing. So most of the stuff we find, we give it to the landowners. and I was like, what are you doing here?" I mean How are we make any money so it makes kind of good TV to have that natural well, I love
1: it because all the promos they run with si, it's always like boys we're going to get rich on this I mean, it's always like well that's Si boys like, our ship has come in si keeps thinking there's always a
2: fantastical story about all these places that we go always somebody has some legend that one time there were there's... cannons filled with
0: gold buried under a tree I'm sure there <laughs> are blocks of gold Oh, Barry, I am too. that's Barry. why we
1: go out there. It, it's, it's it's sooner or later you gonna, somebody's gonna find one of those. And things. we
2: have found some stuff that is very valuable and uh, and some of the shows that haven't you know come out yet. but what I was gonna say is I attribute the success is that I was like, we're not gonna put stuff in the ground. We're not going because I think that's what most of these treasure hunting shows do. I was like it makes us all work harder. Mm-hmm. So treasure hunting is a very slow process, especially with a metal detector. And so we go when we're out hunting, we go daylight to dark. And so when we find something, or we think we find something, we holler at the TV people, come over here. And if we don't find anything, which we've had a few strikeouts. It makes the TV people work harder to find something creative about the location that's interesting for people to watch. <laughs> so I think it's really the the key, and so I've figured out that the providence of God and hard work
1: has really produced a, a my fun one ask, is
0: Seek and you shall find.
1: The one ask I has if you if you ever find some gold, I want you to say. I got the gold right here, Paul. Well,
2: I've already said that,
1: Al. So that's <laughs> oh, you've coming. already
2: said it. Oh yeah. I
1: thought I was creating. When that. you
2: hunt as much as we do, and you find well, there is there's a lot of buttons that in the 1800s they call it gold gilded, and they sprayed them with gold. Well, most of the gold is gone by the time you find it. It's been 100. Yeah, it's just a like a spray. Yeah. But some of those buttons they, that we find they just held up well on the golds there. So you'll you'll see it as as you're uncovering the dirt, you'll get a glimpse and you're like, oh, that's gold. So you actually find a lot of buttons that are gold gilded
1: and that's very exciting. So what I love about Jace is that you've been so busy in production for the show now is when you and I were talking on the phone, and I said, well, I hope you can make it to New York, you know, because of this smoke. And you're like, there's smoke in New York? <laughs> So, because for like the last week, there's been like a huge fire in Canada, and it's put yeah, all this smoke. I don't. In. I'm outdoors.
2: I'm not watching TV. I mean, I watched the. I was LSU. like, well, they
1: couldn't even fly in there a few days ago. And Jay's like, what? I don't even know about this. I mean, in the last month, I've watched a
2: few LSU baseball games, and that's about it. Yep. But and those were had to be strategically planned.
1: Yeah, there was a big uh, forest fire that smoked out in the northeast, so it was. Apocalyptic looking. So hopefully you'll be good to go to get in there and get it promoted and get out. So I won't give you the specifics. If you
2: wanna catch the show, just you'll figure it out. Yeah. It's out there in
1: in the internet land and you'll you'll figure out how to watch it. Yeah. I like the show. I think it's really good, and I'm making an appearance in this season, so that's worthy of promotion right there. Yeah, I, I forgot. I forgot you I'm were there. I'm in there. I'm in there. I made my debut. Oh yeah, I remember. I made that. my debut. Yeah. It was a similar debut to my debut on Duck Dynasty. That's all I'll say. It's just a tease for you. So yeah, I remember. Those of you that, that remember that, you remember. It was a, it was a fun episode for Lisa and I to be a part of. So. All right, so we're uh, we're in Luke 6. I want to jump in here, Jace, because um, you're going to be in New York. So I want to, this text you've been teasing and leading up to is this, uh, what would you call it, game-changing uh, 40-year I mean, realization. I, I don't know how I missed it before. I, I think what
2: I thought, and maybe we should read it first, but I thought, well, this is kind of Luke's summation of the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. Which a lot of
1: scholars would agree with. Yeah.
2: And even though it's worded quite differently, Mm -hmm. it just basically meant the same thing. And so we just leave it alone because we're really not sure. But now some people think, well, this was a different sort of sermon. Mm -hmm. What I tend to think, I'd be interested in y'all's opinion, but is I tend to think it was the same sermon on the Mount, but, he categorized some of the, uh you know, principles of the sermon that resulted in this. Yeah, And so this is kind of a summation of there's two kinds of kingdoms. And you think, well, there's been a lot of kingdoms. No, there's really two. There's the Lord's, which is what he has said over and over and over and over again. The kingdom is near. You had this Daniel 2 prophecy that kingdom would be set up it would crush all other kingdoms it itself would would endure forever that's daniel 244 and look, that's just one there's there's several others jesus especially in matthew sit real clear he he begins the ministry saying repent for the kingdom is near and you remember john the baptist what he say repent for the kingdom of heaven is near mm-hmm. yep well even in jesus in the opening line so we had just read that he comes down off the mountain he chooses his twelve apostles, and he delivers a sermon. Which we brought out that this is eerily similar to when Moses went up on the mountain. He chose the twelve tribes of uh, Israel. You know, he divided the tribe. Then he delivered the ten commandments. Yeah. So here's Jesus fulfilling that, and which is what's crazy is going to result in a relationship with God cuz Jesus has come to reconcile people to God. There's numerous verses of that. He's the bridge to God. We talked about even when Nathanael. He's the ladder, you know, Jacob's ladder. Mm-hmm. That's Jesus. Yep. He's the ladder. Right. And so he came to fulfill the law and it's going to result in loving God and loving your neighbor, which is the new law based on the grace and salvation of God. I mean, it's a really beautiful scheme of redemption that God organized. So when he comes down from the mountain and he's going to bridge this gap, he, he healed those who were troubled by evil spirits. This is Luke 6, 18. This is where we left off. And all the people were trying to touch him because power was coming from him and he was healing people. Well, only God can do this. I mean, here's Luke, a doctor. He's running an investigation, and he's giving Jesus the credit. He is supernaturally healing and curing people, and he's choosing people that the world would not choose for success.
0: It's and it's all a, it's
2: a lot of people, a lot of people, and look, they're from all parts of the the country. You know, when they divided people back in this culture, and you're either Jew or Gentile. Well, there are people on this mountain who are Jews, and there are people that are Gentiles. And so then at verse 20, here's Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is, and you see this phrase, the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. So he's representing the, the kingdom as him being the king of He's, he's this repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Well, he's representing that as the king. So that's an, that's an interesting statement. Blessed are the poor. So before I read the next verse, you're, you're when you look at the poor, I just don't think the first thing you're saying is, boy, what a blessing. <laughs> you're broke. You're homeless. So then he goes on and says, well, blessed are you who hunger. For you will be satisfied. Well, what blessing is there to be hungry? Now, when you're now, I'm using this as physical. So most people say, "Well, it's a spiritual metaphor," which it is in Matthew's account of right. the sermon. He uses it. So, but then watch what it is. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man.
1: So if you compile that together, poor, hungry, weeping and hated. There's, yep. there's your poor. I mean this is hang, like, hang on to this. Let's take a break. So when we take on sponsors, we have what we call a, a boarding an onboarding call and we call these guys and so the guys at Jace Medical Uh, I called and they told me about their products, which is really interesting and good and something that's needed. And uh, this is a doctor uh, that came up with this product. So, Jace, one of my first questions was, why is it called Jace? Because I have a brother named Jace. You didn't name this after my brother, did you? <laughs>
2: no, but seeing as how it is one of the more clever names on the
1: planet, it is used in various forms. He informed me that the name means uh, healer uh, in Old English, which is a good thing, Jace. There you go. And he had a dog named Jace that he really loved. So that was kind of his uh, sentimental part. It has nothing to do with our Jace, but mm-hmm. they are called Jace Medical uh, for their own reasons. What they have is something really needy, uh, and that is a way to be able to have five life-saving antibiotics called the Jace case uh, that you can get for emergency use. So we all know you usually have to go to the doctor, something happens to you, you get antibiotics, but what if you're in some place where you can't call the doctor? What if you're overseas? What if you're in a rural place? What if there's a supply chain and they don't have the antibiotics? So it's a great thing to have on hand, Uh, You can go online, fill out a simple online form. Sometimes you may have to jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified doctors. They make it as easy as possible. They have a licensed pharmacy medication delivery process uh, to come straight to your door. Ongoing consultation as well. So check them out, jasemedical.com. Enter the code UNASHAMED at checkout for a discount on your order. So that's unashamed at jasemedical.com.
2: This has turned into them being furious to a cricket sermon. Yeah. Crickets chirping. Yeah. We're going to take over the world.
0: You have all this power. You're healing. He's like, no, all they, they got to
1: need- do is touch you
0: and they're healing. Now, look, he, he was just out of the fields a few days chewing a few little bit of grain. Because they have nothing. So they had nothing. Yeah. So he's, his, he went from that to this well, whoever these people were that were saying the chief priests, teachers of the law, and all who were blaming him for doing a little, getting a few little grains, just a few kernels. Yeah, they thought they but was onto something. Once they hear him say this, that I don't know what it says. They thought, but it, but whatever it was, it was. There's nothing said after this, and at the end of it, I don't know. Well, what it gets does.
2: worse. I yeah. mean, because then yeah. in verse 23,
0: he says, "Not only are you
2: blessed, rejoice in that day, and leap for joy." Man, I'm poor. I'm hungry. I'm crying. I'm hey, People hate me. <laughs> <laughs> leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. You're like, well, where? You know, where's he- what is this heaven you speak? For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. So I mean you kind of just think, well, where's the good where's the good news in this? This doesn't seem no seriously, is he fixed to explain this? Well, it gets worse. But woe to you. And then he turns the four principles that we just read, and he uses the opposite. Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. Now, he doesn't end there, and we will. It's very important to read you know, the next three paragraphs because it's going to get even worse than we thought because he's <laughs> fixed to get into not only that, Love your enemies and do good to them. And, you know, it starts talking about turning the other cheek when they strike you. And none of this seems to make sense in our world. Would we all agree on that? Correct. No doubt. So to help us get our, our, you know, what is the point? And I I said I thought I kind of had a light bulb moment. And uh, I did listen. I said I'd never heard a sermon on this. But I did did hear a class from Tim Keller that he put these into category he had read a commentary and done a lot of study on it and he went through the same things we just talked about you know there's a lot of debate on whether this was the sermon on the mount or the sermon on the Plain. and but Keller was kind of like i am instead of just watering it all down and saying well it means something else you know what if, what if what if this is true and so he kind of came at it from an idea of about this is what we rest from. And I was like, well, where's this going? But it kind of made sense. Because when you put these into categories, and, and he listed these four categories, and I want to give them to you. Because when you think about being rich, there's power in that. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. When you're rich, you have power. And that's something that people perceive. Because you have the power to be self-sufficient, to get what you like. So second, when it says, blessed are you who hunger, well, that's being comfortable. You know, when you're hungry, you're, you're uncomfortable. So, which is not something that we pursue. Uh, so you got power, comfort. And the next one was a little more tricky, and he went into a deep... Greek study of this word for laughter, which made perfect sense after. And I recommend you do that because when we see laughter, we're like, oh, what's wrong with laughing? Well, there's nothing wrong with it. But this was more the idea of success, winning, gloating. You won the election. So what do you do? I won. You lost. Ha ha. <laughs> it It's look, look at what
0: look at what I got. Look at what's happened, and when you lose, I, you cry. And look at the political so, world, and you, you'll see it pretty well, close. Right. So we're going to call
2: that uh, success or gloating, and then four is recognition and celebrity, really, because you think about it. Woe to woe do you when all men speak well of you, uh, and and then the opposite is. When men hate you, we all want to be liked and followed. That's what social media is all about. No we want doubt. to be recognized. We want everyone needs a trophy. We want to be celebrities. We want to be recognized as great.
1: And so when it's you. That's the reason reality TV became a thing. It allowed normal people to become celebrities.
2: <laughs> so, so there's the categories. And, and, and here's the point. So when you look at the opposite of those things, the things that – because that's the kingdom. There's two kingdoms. That's the worldly kingdom, which is the kingdom. If you're powerful, rich, comfortable, successful, happy, and you're recognized, there's your pillars of success. You have it all. When somebody says, I have it all, that's it. There's nothing more. You have everything that you want. The problem is, and the reason he came up with this, and the reason I think he's a genius on this from the Spirit of God, is because if you notice the timing of this, when he said, uh, he says, blessed are you when you're poor for yours is the kingdom of God, Uh, blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. And he puts the time frame into that as as now. Uh, When you go down to verse, just pick one. 25, woe to you who are well fed now. Well, think about all the worldly kingdoms. So we've got two kingdoms described here. If you're powerful, rich, comfortable, we all know that that's not going to last. You know, If you put all your credentials in your beauty and you're a model and you're success, we all know what's going to happen at some point. You're no longer going to be as beautiful as you were. At
0: some point, you're
2: face up in a hole in the ground. Exactly. And so you start seeing the picture of, oh, wait a minute. Is he saying that God is going to give me the rest from having to pursue these things to be successful? And in reality, they're really not successful long term. You put all your hopes and dreams in it. And at some point, the bigger things which Jesus, Jesus is going to solve, which is death, mistakes, the uh, you know, aging process, I- anything that's going to deter that you lose your job, you lose your money. Well, you can find rest because you don't have to pursue that. That's right. And so the four opposite things, what he's saying, the kingdom, the true kingdom represents weakness sacrifice grief or you know mourning and look i'm not saying the sermon on the mount does not portray these things cuz it does in exclusion but in because of the son of man because of jesus so you think well why would you be blessed to be weak to sacrifice to cry to mourn to grieve? to be excluded, because we know that his power can overcome all of that long term. That's why when he got down and said, uh, great is your reward in heaven. I mean, we were talking about the treasure hunting show. The ultimate treasure is found in heaven. That's why Philippians said our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. The worldly kingdom is going to pursue the categories that he said or I'm 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 giving you rest from. You don't have to worry about that. So he flipped it on its head, and then he gave you why. Well, when I looked at it, it made perfect sense to me. Because when we're weak, we say, "Yeah, but we have a power in us that we know that no matter what happens, we're we're fine."
0: And it's not riding on
2: poor or rich. It's not. You lose all your money. You know what? Okay. Yeah. I mean, really. <laughs> To someone in Christ, is that a deal breaker? Absolutely not. I mean, you're like, oh, well, the Lord can heal diseases. He can raise dead bodies from the ground. He can create planets and solar systems. But I'm not sure He can help me if I lose my money. (laughs) That probably is going to be a deal breaker. So why am I so stressed out about that? You know? It doesn't make sense to the world, but those in Christ who know Christ, who follow this very closely, which is why he's picking the very people that you would never think is going to be successful, because he's like, well, I'm supplying the power. Look at what my presence is doing to these people. I'm making the most powerful people on the planet. Mm. Their arms are being healed. Evil spirits are running wild. He picked a bunch of no names to be his apostles, and they literally changed the world forever. Yeah. Well, how is that possible? Because they all realized they were weak. They were steadily sacrificing. Their lives were filled with tears. They were all martyred. They were excluded to the point where they were killed because of what they believed. So you think, well, who won in the end? Oh, they're going to win. They won. So they took they took joy they 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 took joy, and we we should do that too. And the reason I think we don't speak on this is because deep down, we really struggle with wanting the success the world has to offer.
1: <laughs> but the one conclusion, uh, let's take another break. When the guys from uh, barrel Buddy first reached out to us about being sponsors on our podcast. It was really interesting, Jace, because they were kind of vetting us a little bit. I mean, they knew about our podcast, but I think they were making sure that we kind of shared some of the same values that they do. And the more we taught, the more we really liked each other. We were a small hunting company, just like at one time ours was. Came up with our invention uh, in the field, in our case to sound like ducks, in their case to clean guns and make sure they're clean. And we both share our love for Jesus, uh, which is which is great. I've kind of got an ongoing Bible study uh, with one of their owners that we share stuff back and forth. So we love this company and they have a great product to be able to make sure that your guns stay clean, uh whether it's rifle grooves or pistols or it's your breech you know inside your gun barrel. Um, these guys have something to help you to be able to make sure it stays clean. These are white polymers that will show up anything that comes out of your barrel so you know that it's good and clean. We want you to check these guys out, make sure you're a responsible gun owner, go to barrel buddy. Dot com. That's B-A-R-R-E-L buddy.com today. Check out their product. One conclusion that comes from that, Jace, is because when you were describing that, I, I, when you said that word celebrity, it made me think of a, say you got an A-lister, we would call them. You know, a person who's really famous, successful, attractive. You know, I'll have all the qualities, and they're in Hollywood. But they're the... They're the most restless people in the world, because no matter how high their success is in the moment, they're always worried about the next project, right? What, can I hang on to these looks, and so you start watching them as they age, and it doesn't it's not pretty, but when wow. everything is about the next thing, you're I love the concept of rest because there's no rest in yeah. a striving to hold a position. Of success. That's it. I mean, most people run themselves in the ground just trying to do it. And it's a great picture because you're right. I was thinking about that. You remember the candy now and later? You remember that?
2: Yeah, it's oh, a, yeah.
1: you put it in your mouth. It's a hard candy. I think at it first. says now or later. Or was I it think maybe? it's now and later, meaning you can enjoy this now and later. Because after you suck on it a while, then it gets chewy, and you can chew on it like oh, bubble gum. Yeah, like, yeah, they have the little purple packs. Yeah, paint yeah. now and later. And I thought that's what people want. They want the. the I got to hold on to the now, but I got to have the later yep. <laughs> to go with it. And so it's, I just thought about that candy that somebody actually, Jason, your world of marketing. Named what the concept you're talking about into a candy.
2: Well, the obvious thing is, is so here I am, just an average fella. I'm not a businessman. And uh, I don't have really very few things I do well. And so (laughs) I never made a financial decision. I've shared this many times on the podcast. Like, you know, Missy would be so frustrated that I wouldn't take more initiative to make more money. But, you know, when I came to Christ, I just, I just thought, well, I'm going to be poor, just because I have read these verses, and so I'm just not even going to pursue it. (laughs) I want to. So poverty
1: was just a life choice. It was like, I mean, I actually liked
2: being poor. I know that sounds crazy and all this crap, but you remember how poor we were as kids, and we were happy, you know. So I just didn't put a lot because what I like to do doesn't cost a lot of money. I like to go outside. And, you know, I mean, if I got a fishing pole and, you know, one gun that I can hunt with, I'm happy. So I, we always had those arguments. And uh, so I I would always tell Missy, I was like, well, look, I appreciate it, but I'm just not doing it. The only way you're ever going to have money with me is divine intervention. (laughs) (laughs) And I will say... I think it happened because of that attitude is where all of a sudden you look around and like, well, I'm trying to fight this. But so but what I, the reason I'm bringing this up is I think it made I think someone should write a book. Because a lot of the reasons that I made successful decisions in the business world is I literally did not care. I mean, you remember all the Walmart meetings that the, Phil and Kay kept sending me up there. And they're like, well, Jay just has a knack for this. Yeah, here was the knack. The guy said, we want, we're selling these duck calls at this price. And I would say, well, you ain't selling our duck calls then. Let me know if you change your mind. I can get up and leave. Ain't nobody else doing that, because in the back of my mind I thought I'm not going to be pushed around by the lure of money. But what I noticed in life, that's the greatest tactic I ever could have done. <laughs> you
0: know, but I didn't realize it. Sometimes they'd wait about three months, two three months, wait us out, and they call Jays. They yeah. call him back. All well, you know? right, they. I didn't realize. At first, they said, I was, "Well, you know, hit the road." Yeah. But then they looked at their sales of it the previous well, it's years. Well, it the
1: people coming in saying, Where can I find a Ducameter And they weren't there. And it's like, well, we got... I
2: told this story one time, and somebody said, Well, that was the art of the deal. You know, Donald Trump wrote a book about it. And I was like, Oh, dang, I thought I invented it. <laughs> <laughs> uh... You thought the key was poverty. <laughs> well, I was just like, I'm not, Oh, for the I'm love not, of poverty. Yeah, I'm not going to be pushed around by that. And so I'm not saying that that to be – because people, they have a hard time when you're doing a lesson on that, and they're like, well, look at all these successful ventures that have happened, and money's being made. And it's like, well, the reason our family stayed together and stayed grounded after success is because we we were not pursuing that. It was yeah. not the goal of life, and we didn't attach that with being successful. First
0: year sales, $8,000, 8300 and we thought – we are on a roll. <laughs> Somebody said you're going to start. You The second year, thirteen to fourteen. Third year, twenty two. Fourth year, thirty seven, thirty eight. I'm pretty close to these numbers. I remember them because it was just started from nothing, zero. And look, it just kept going. To finally, they they said, "Come see you one million duck call that you sold this year." I'm like, one million. They said, one million. Well, the point is, though, Phil,
2: did did are you? I mean, if you don't keep a perspective, if that's the pursuit, instead of using whatever you do to point people to Jesus, you know, that there's a difference, is yep. what I'm saying. And so, if you're because most people who and we we've, we've referred these people for some of the most miserable people on the planet are people who win the lottery. Yep. Oh, it's just, go look up those stories. Yep. yep. Chaos, yep. misery, division, fights, murder. Yeah. It, Bankruptcy it just you almost say, What happened? Of- that was the American dream, and it all just blew up when they got a bunch of money. Mm. Yep. So I wanted to make this reference, because uh, the Daniel 2.44, you remember the the prophecy about the coming kingdom. Well, in Daniel 5, there's an interesting story, and it, and it helps you wrap your head around why Jesus said, This is the kind of kingdom I bring. And so you can read this. I'm not going to read the whole story, but basically, an invading army was coming here to King Belshazzar's domain, and they were in, they just realized, you know what, we're fixed to be wiped. We cannot win this. So what does he decide to do? He says, let's throw a party. We might as well go out on top. In a blaze of glory. And so, Hang
1: on, boys, before you read that, let's take a break.
2: So Daniel 5, they gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles. Now you got to remember, they're literally surrounded while this is going on. And they drank wine and Belshazzar was drinking his wine and he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple so that the king and the nobles and his wives, look, and the concubines. And I looked this up. That was not normal because usually the wives didn't get along with the concubines. But look, we're all fixed to die here. So everybody's getting drunk together. Yep. So here we go. Everybody's in here. And. So they had been taken from the temple uh, of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles and his wives and concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. (laughs) Well, then suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand, in the royal palace. Well, but that's a showstopper. The king watched the hand. They, you know, they probably thought, "Man, I drank so much wine." <laughs> that looks like It's <laughs> like a big, giant ghost with a hand. So whatever was written, look, his face turned pale, <laughs> yeah. and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. <laughs> you read the rest of the story, but my point is, when they finally figure out what the what the message was your days are numbered <laughs> <laughs> and i i just think it's a perfect story for what we're reading they his take was we're on top of the world until what the earthly kingdom that side of it it's on top of the world till it's not and instead of them being humbled they're not going we're weak we're not mourning we're this is it one last we're going down on top of the world, and I think you see that that what God's kingdom is representing is completely the opposite. It may be a hard life living in Christ. You may not have a lot of money. You may not have a lot of offer, but if you got the Holy Spirit in you and Jesus is your Lord and God is your Father, you literally have no problems. You will win. Even now, while you're sometimes crying or poor or hungry, but you're going to win in eternity. And, I mean, that is the concept that he was introducing to the new kingdom. And it was crickets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do y'all think? I, I, that's I, what think, I think you're on a, on a good trail there. So after he gives that speech, he then in verse 27 says, but I'll tell you. Who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. I mean, I'd love to know what they were thinking. Probably the same thing we're thinking. You're like, what? What? Are you kidding me? Because when you start looking at your own life in this context, you're like, I am, I'm not doing this. No. If you love, verse 32, those who love you, what credit is that to you? And now this is very unusual for Jesus to do because he uses the term sinners like usually the yeah. Pharisees do. In this one moment, because I looked it up, I couldn't find anywhere else where he did this. But he says, even sinners love those who love them. But you notice how it's in quotations Mm because it's like, even these sinners (laughs) that you speak of.
1: Yeah, so it's almost like he's referring to their, because he knows the difference, right? Well, right.
2: And then it says, and even if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? That's easy. Even sinners do that. And even if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. Expecting to be repaid in full, but love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And here we go again. Then your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High. Now this is uh, really an ironic thing to say because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. So in one breath, he's using sinners in quotations, and then he's putting everybody in this camp of ungrateful and wicked. You see how he did that? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he knows that all people are sinners. But he's kind to us. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Then he gets in the judging. do not judge and you will not be judged. It, it's the same concept. And it is from here on out a lot like what you read from the Sermon on the Mount.
1: It's very similar.
2: Yeah. But what's different is how he set it up with these kind of four categories of what you're free from between the worldly kingdom and the opposite nature, which is what is embraced in God's kingdom. And ultimately it is because Jesus is the King of Kings. He's the one supplying the presence, the power, the comfort, the hope, the joy, you know, the love. And I think that's what he was, what Luke was trying to get us to see.
1: Well, I've always thought that his description, and you alluded to this in the earlier text, his description, especially in 27 through 36, is a description of himself. Everything he mentions here in this text, he did while he was here. Mm -hmm. Think about it. I mean... He came here to those who hated him. They're they're already hating on him. We've seen that. They're they're figuring out what to do with it. I mean, they slapped him on both cheeks. I mean, you know, when, when they tortured him at the end, every one of these examples he gives, they were his enemies, and yet he came here to die for them and then did it. So I've always thought he was really painting the ultimate picture. If you want to be like me, this is the mindset that you have. So, I mean, I just thought, I've always thought it was his example first. And you said that earlier, Jason, you were talking about that. Because when you think about weakness, sacrifice, mourning, and exclusion, those are all things he did. Exactly. He set the example, yeah. and it was the recipe
2: for success. Yeah. It saved the world. It did. And it made you realize that you're never going to be able, even if you had the power, you're never going to be able to save yourself from the bigger issues and problems. You're never going to give yourself a true purpose on the earth without recognizing the Son of God, because that brings in eternity. And so you conclude at the end of the day, this is about living forever. I mean, yes, God uses us on this earth, and we may be persecuted. Not we may, we will. Yep. I mean, he's pretty emphatic. And you are to say, okay, that's going to happen. I'm going to embrace it. And this gives me comfort because, look, now that is the one thing. I was kind of talking to Missy about this just because I wanted to see what she thought. But when we got to four, she said, well, we got that down, you know, (laughs) because we are (laughs) we are persecuted, insulted and hated. The other three, you know, we got to work on because those are things that we tend to shy away from. We don't like being uncomfortable. Uh, You know, who wants to be poor? I mean. Nobody, I think, likes to cry and, and be mournful, but it's just life is tough. I mean, it's difficult. Things happen. People lose their jobs. Uh, you know, we lose kids sometimes. We're, there's a lot of pain in this world when you really look at it, and Jesus is offering the solution, which is himself. Right. That's why he's, he's doing this all in the context of driving out evil spirits, of curing people's diseases. He's like, trust me. I have the power. Don't worry. I'm, I'm giving you peace through me. So I think you could break it down to two things. He's given you values of the kingdom that happen on the inside. That's the stuff he can fix. But he's also given us values of how we treat people on the outside. And so when you see all these, you know, love your enemies, not just love them, but do good to them. And I think that's why, in our world, we misunderstand. And uh, Keller did a big thing on this, on what tolerance is. And I wrote down a couple things he said. Hang on before you read that. Let's take our last one. Because we have these values inside. We accept that we are weak, that we make mistakes, that we do suffer, we are persecuted, and that's why we rely on the Lord's power and not ours. But we also are to treat people who treat us wrong, right. And I think there's a big de- debate in the religious world then about, you know, what tolerance means, because they're like, well, I mean, we, we got to do something. We, what, what does that mean? And uh, a couple of quotes that I wrote that he said, and and I, I really think he's on to something. He's like, tolerance is not a lack of conviction of truth, because his point was, I wrote a parenthetical here because he made a long point about everyone believes in some sort of truth. Even the people who don't believe in Jesus, they will come to us and say, well, you shouldn't believe in Jesus. Well, that's that's what they believe is true. Everybody has some sort of truth that they believe in. So then to pick up what he, his quote, tolerance is not a lack of trying to convert people because everybody does that also. People who don't believe in Jesus, they say, well, you shouldn't believe in Jesus. Well, they're trying to convert you not to believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's the same cycle. So, and then he he goes to go back to the point, point in Luke 6 here. Tolerance is how you treat people who disagree with you. And that is a good point. It's not that you're not holding to the line of what's obviously true in God's word. We hold to that line and we're persecuted for it. But... Unfortunately for us, Jesus is like, those who oppose you, he's telling us to love them and do good. He did if draw America, a line about how you treat people who, if, uh, who are opposed to you.
0: If America lived by this, all of them, if they lived based on this, it'd be a better place. <laughs> you
2: think? It'd be a much better
0: place. He also says to
2: pray for those who mistreat you. That's 628. He says to do good to those in 635. So where do we get the power? And you see it in 635 and 36. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wickedness. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. He's the one supplying the strength and the ability to do these things. We're to be used. So it makes you think of all those verses that that kind of maybe you've glossed over through the years where, where you're like, uh, the one I thought about was Galatians six eleven, Because this opened my eyes to a lot of verses that I was not real
1: clear on
2: what it means, and this was one of them I wrote down. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which, which would be a spiritual principle about being humble here or weak through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world well when you apply those principles the blessings and woes in Luke 6 that makes perfect sense
1: mm-hmm.
2: i don't have i've been crucified to the world's definition of success
1: there's a chasm here so, and they and they have too, according to that text. And they have too, which it, we all know this. That's why I said
2: I've always made illustrations like this. I'm like, all right. So let's say you're the richest man in the world. Who is the richest man in the world now? Uh, hmm. Is it still Bezos? Yeah,
0: maybe what, so, yeah, the old boy has got this, this going to the bars and whatever. Oh, Elon, Elon Musk.
2: Musk. No, maybe he's in the top ten. Yeah, him and him. And what these? You said, boy, what? What are you going to buy? You know, at some point, you can only buy so much. I mean, what? You buy Twitter. Yeah, what what can you buy? And then what do you do? Well, at some point you'll retire and do what? Yeah. Okay. And so you do that for what then what? Tell me so many Greek islands you can visit. Then you leave it all to someone else. Well, how beautiful is that? It's beautiful. It's sad for you. You're gone. <laughs> yeah. It all it didn't. You're like, well, that's the best you're gonna get. Well, that's that's pretty crappy. Yeah. I mean and we're free we're free from having that hang
1: over our head you know And you're right if someone spent their whole life principled in some way and then left all their money behind then their child say the guy was a you know left winger and his child became a right winger and he donated all your money to the right wing I mean that's what happens. It's just, what are you going to do with it? I mean, it's like ultimately what difference does it make? I mean, it's, if that was your stride, which I always thought that was the ultimate thing here, Jace was the, what you put your trust in the, the thing that helps me about this, the way you articulated it, which I like is that you don't have to feel bad because you can't live up to all these passages because Jesus is describing who he is. And of course we're not him. But we strive to be like him. We follow his example. So a lot of people say, "Look at this text," like you said, just and they're like, "Well, you can't do this stuff." Oh, they just I mean, "I'm out." I mean, there's no way I'm going to do any of this. Wants to
2: do this? Is this is terrible. Look, in our churches, we function as the exact opposite. They'll say, "Look, you pray, and the Lord bless you," you know, and He's going to give you all this stuff because I know. And they'll go over to the Sermon on the Mount when He says, "You know, if you give it all up, you you won't fail to receive a hundred times." He does say that. But it may not happen here. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. And you see Christians, especially Jesus' closest followers, the list that we just read is 12 apostles. Every one of them but one had violent deaths at the end. They had nothing. They were stripped, beaten, and killed. Well, you know, like, well, where's the happy ending to that? It always reminds me of a guy that we brought to the Lord that we know, but— his first argument when we first started studying, he's like, you know, I tried to read that Bible, but it just, I was looking for the happy ending. <laughs> Wasn't in there. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, everybody dies. <laughs> I was like, well, he came back. And he's like, yeah, well, I mean, that's what it said, but <laughs> it just... <laughs> I want <laughs> mine now. But he was reading stuff like this. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's like great being poor and, you know, turn the other cheek. And those were the... The Sermon on the Mount is what deterred him from coming to Jesus. He's like, "Uh uh-uh. There's nothing about that that's appealing. But you know, now that I'm thinking years later, he's actually right. That's not appealing for the now, I get it. And you may have to be tortured for following Jesus. It's,
1: it's very real in a lot of countries to this day. Don't you think it fits in with his general description that broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way to eternal life? Yeah. Of course, because this is not that appealing. If you really believe it and you trust it.
2: The positive news of this, because you're like, where's the good news? Is you're free. You don't have to have this, the pursuit of what the world says is successful, leading you around by the nose. That's the good news. Right. Yeah. You'll be the greatest deal maker ever.
1: Which is good. All right. We're out of time. Uh, I had a few examples that I didn't get to when you were describing it. Jason. I want to talk about in overtime of later in Luke when he's going to refer back to this because I agree this is a watershed moment for Jesus and what he's sharing. A lot of what we see later in Luke relates back to this. So we'll talk about that uh, and, and get ready for the next podcast on Unashamed. UnashamedBlazeTV.com. Unashamed is where we'll be if you want to follow us over.